Aloha and welcome to the New Hope Oahu podcast. If you would like to watch this sermon, testimonies, creative elements, and more, go to youtube.com slash newhopeoahu. You can watch sermons in our app or check out our website at enewhope.org. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I need to catch my breath. Another hand for Colleen and the team. Well, that's it, folks. That was the message. We're all going to go home now. That dance represents something that is so important to us today. You have just seen a glimpse of what it will be like in heaven. And today we're going to talk about a message that is so profound and not often shared in many of the mainstream churches. But today we're going to share it. And that is that Jesus is coming again. Amen? Yes, yes. And in that awesome reverence that I'm feeling right now, I want to do something different. I'm going to jump right into the Word. And I want to share what God is saying. And I don't want you to read it with me. But instead, I want you to listen and let God impress on you what he is saying to you about revelations and the end times and what we have forward to look forward to. Amen? Revelations 21, 4 through 7. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha. I am the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Folks, Today, as we saw that inspirational, beautiful presentation by Colleen and the team, God is speaking to us, as I said, about something that you don't often hear, about the second coming, about the rapture, about us being caught up in the clouds to be with Him. And that is so exciting. It is not a thing of doom and like, oh, it is a thing of excitement. And we need to understand it for the excitement and revelation that it is. And right now, I want to respond to God with a clap offering about what he is about to do. Because he is coming again. And we don't know when. And we're not here to talk about pre-trip, post-trip. We are here to talk about the fact that Jesus Christ is coming. And you know, many times when we share this message, people will kind of tune out. And why? Because sometimes they don't think that a time is near. So they think, I have time. Or, with many of us, we're caught up in all the things of life when we walk out that door. All the things that we have to do. All the things that impress themselves upon us. Or, we're still working on our bucket list of the things that we want to finish. But the Bible is very true. The Bible says that when you see these things going on around the world or happening, the time is near. So I just want to take a moment with you and let's reflect on what's going on. Reflect on the fact that there are earthquakes. Do you know without me putting up the statistics, I just read that in the last month alone, there is a multitude of earthquakes that have been charted around the world. We don't hear about many of them. There's famine all over the world. Do you know that it just came in the paper because North Korea is spending all their money 
on their arm that there are thousands of Koreans that are starving in North Korea. That there are storms that are going on, wars that are going on. We know about all of those. And the fact that liberalism is rampant, that morality is dissipating throughout our world, that there are nations against nations. And here's what I want you to hear. The fact that the word says that God will be taken out of many of the things that are important to us. And just last week, I was watching the news, and Lanu, my wife, showed me a clip of a news clip of something that was happening in our Congress because they are trying to take God out of our government. Here's what happened. I was watching the news clip just last week. They were in a session. Now, you know that when you give testimony in Congress from the very beginning of our government with its constitution, because our constitution was founded on God, right? Yes. But they were in a congressional session, and they were ready to swear someone in, and the head said, we will not allow the name of God to be used in swearing the person in. And one of the Congress people, he must have been, you know, known the Lord as a Savior, he said, no, wait, 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 we've always sworn the people in, in the name of God. Please, let's have him sworn in the way it's been done forever. And he was outvoted. And that day, God was taken out of our congressional session in Tesla. This is for real, folks. And that is what's happening around our world. But we have to have eyes to see and ears to listen and a mind to know. I want us together to read Luke 21, 31 together. Okay? Ready? Go. When you see these things taking place, you know the kingdom of God is near. Here's a question for all of us today. Are you ready? Are you ready if right now Jesus came, would you be captured up in the clouds with him? Do you know in your heart that, yes, I am ready to meet Jesus Christ? And again, it's not something to worry about. It is something to do. As Pastor Wayne says, it's not something that we have to feel we have to do or that we have to do, but we get to do. And so today, I want to talk about this message that you don't normally often hear. And I want to do it first with reading these scriptures from 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18. And again, this time I want you just to listen, okay, and follow along with me. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. First, believers who have died will rise from their graves. Let me stop there for a moment. What the word is saying is, those loved ones of ours that have gone home to be with the Lord, they will rise again. And we will be together with them. The word is true. Do you believe that? Here it goes. It says, first believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. And that's what I'm here to do, folks, today. I want to encourage you. I don't want to hold you... To the test, I want to encourage you about the fact that we are looking forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And whenever that happens, we need to be ready. I want us to read together Romans 2, 6 through 7. And I just want to make note that that word, there's a typo. It's immortality, not immorality as we read it. Okay? Ready? Go. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. Are you ready to receive eternal life? Yes, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have the promise of eternal life. But to be captured up in the clouds with him, the word is true. We need to be ready. And one word comes to mind in our readiness and in our preparation, and that word is this word. Obedient. 
Write that down. Obedience. That is a deciding factor. And that is what we're going to talk about today. As we prepare to be ready for Jesus Christ, we're going to be prepared in obedience. In obedience. I want to tell you about <clears throat> obedience. I want to tell you actually about a, a story. So, all of you know that a few years ago here in Hawaii, we had the traffic cams. Remember the traffic cams? Right. It was along the Pali Highway or on different streets. They had a van sitting in the middle of the road. There was a person in the van with a camera headed out toward the back or at intersections. And if you committed a traffic citation like speeding and whatnot, they'd videotape you and you would get a ticket in the mail or a summons to go to court. How many of you remember that? Right, right. And how many of you got one of those summons? There you are. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, putting, putting. Uh, but I remember we'd be driving, right? And we're like, oh, the traffic cam in the van. Slow down. Well, I got to tell you about this couple. It was this couple. The man was very akamai. Hawaiian, that means smart. But he was very confident as well. And he was very obedient because he followed everything that he needed to do. Well, they're driving along. He sees a traffic cam and he tells his wife, I'm not going to get a ticket. So he slows down to the speed limit. He drives through. And just then, the light on the camera starts flashing. And it starts videotaping him. And he's there thinking, what, what is this? I went, I went to speed limit. Just then, his wife taps him on the shoulder and says, but honey, he goes, no, 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 no. I got this. Very confident. He goes around the block, comes back and says, watch this. He slows down five miles below the speed limit. And he says, I got it, I got it. He walks through real sassy. The light starts flashing again. The camera starts rolling again. He says, wait, this is wrong. Now he's very confident. So he goes, and his wife says, honey. And he shuts right. no, 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 I got this. Man. Sometimes we need to listen to our wives, right? All the time, all the time. Well, I know your wife, all the time. <laughs> he goes around a third time. Third time, he slows down 10 miles below the speed limit. He goes, I got there this time. And this time, he's sassy. So as he's driving, he goes like this. Third time. The light goes on, the camera starts rolling. Now he's teed off. Hawaiian would say, piss off. He's teed off. He goes around two more times, the fourth time and the fifth time. And each time he gets more incensed because the camera keeps on videotaping him. The fourth time he goes, fifth time he goes, <laughs> he goes home, he thinks it's fine. One week later he gets five tickets in the mail for not wearing his seatbelt. There's a point to this. I wasn't just telling a joke. There's a point to this. Obedience is not just partial obedience. Obedience is complete obedience. Obedience isn't what we think obedience is. Obedience is what we are told that we are to do when we drive a car. Wear your seatbelt and don't speed and don't run stop signs, right? Obedience. You may recall that last week we had Pastor Reese Whitehead from Willow Creek here, remember? What a great, great message. And remember, he told us about hungering for the things of God. Remember, he had the exerciser over here, that little exerciser for infants. And then he had the table with the milk, right? And then over here, he had the table with the steak cooking. And all that aroma and fragrance was filling the air. And who was owning for steak that day, right? Right before lunch. Well, the message from him was, we can't stay being an infant in the Lord all the time, but we have to move on to the milk, which is nutritious. But we can't stay with just the milk, but we have to move to the solid food, which was that ono delicious steak that smelled so good, and when he picked it up, it was all papa'a, just how we like it to go with white rice. And by the way, all of you ask, like, what happened to the steak? Well, I've got to tell you, how God moves. It went back there, and the aroma started filling up stage right, and I just happened to be walking stage right, and the aroma filled the air, and 
God spoke to me and said, Pastor John, you need solid food. I grabbed the steak, went home, cut it up, added onions, put olive oil, tossed it in the pan, and just like Chef Scott Sagan's food, with kimchi and rice, it was delicious. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, that was good. But here's the point. I wasn't just reminiscing with that great message from Pastor Reese Whitehead. He told us we needed to hunger and pursue the things of God. This past week, how many of us during the week remembered what he said and did what he said and pursued the things of God and went for the solid food? Good thought, huh? Why? Because we often hear great messages. We listen. We're very intentional. We walk out inspired. And then sometimes it just doesn't happen because life happens. Do you know that a lack of obedience is disobedience? And so today, when we talk about obedience and being prepared for God, our first point that I want you to fill in is that, that obedience is obeying the Word of God. Obeying the Word of God. Go ahead and fill that in. Now, here's how I want to connect the dots. You have the Word. Many of us have been in this church for 23 years from the very beginning. Some of us later. But many of us have been here for a long, long time. So the word has been deposited in your mind and in your heart and it is there. Now, what we need to do is take it from our head, put it into our heart, and then enact it and make it happen. And so obeying the word of God is obeying His Word, His commandments, and His will. The Word is what we have. The commandments are what He's telling us to do. The will is what He purposed us to do. And we can't just hear it, but we need to enact it. We need to make it happen. I want us to read Luke eleven twenty eight together. Okay? Ready? Go. He said, Blessed rather are those who hear the Word of God and obey. And what? And what? The three times makes it great. We need to obey it. It's kind of like if you grew up like all some of us here in Hawaii, right? When you were young, our parents and elders didn't fool around when you didn't listen. When you didn't listen, you probably heard this phrase, and some of you will remember this. Hey, you, kid, you stink ear. You don't listen. And they would proceed to pull your ear, right? Right? And you see how long my earlobes are? <laughs> but there's a point to this. We don't want to have stink ear, that it goes in one ear, comes out the other. But here it is. Is God tugging on your ear this morning about the things of God? Is he trying to get your attention this morning and saying, listen, I know you know the word. I know you love me, but what are you doing so that you are prepared and you are ready when I come again? Nike puts it very, very simple. You know the sports apparel company, Nike? What's their slogan? What? Just do it. Just do it. We got to just do it. And there, if you fill in the blanks, it says that obeying God is Wanting to is desiring to, being intentional, and acting. Okay? Four great words. But here, let me bring it to you once again. Wanting it is one thing. Wanting it is, yes. okay, I want it. Desiring it is passionate about it. Okay? Being intentional is, okay, I plan such and such, but acting on it is actually following through. And that's what we need to do. I want to encourage you today to follow through because of your passion that you will do what God's called you to do. To be here in church is great. To sing worship songs is great. But sometimes we are here, but we don't get to there. 
It's almost like being passionate about the first time that you went on a date when you were young or that first time that you fell in love. Remember that puppy love time, right? That first date and that puppy... Well, let me caution it first. If you're here today with your wonderful spouse and they weren't that first date or that puppy love way back when, don't react. Just chill. <laughs> okay, but... But remember that first love? You dreamt about them. You, th you thought about them 24-7. Wherever you were, you doodled on them. And how many of you men did this? With the pen, you wrote, John loves so-and-so on your arm, right? It was all about them. And then what happened? The magic started to wear off. And then we got complacent. And then we got comfortable. And then we just took each other for granted. We can come to church. We can hear the word. But is God saying, I don't want you to get complacent and comfortable in your relationship with me. I don't want you to be sitting on the couch and saying, hmm, all good. I love you. It's almost like when we're married... And our wives have that honeydew list. You, how many men remember the honeydew list? Honey, do this. Honey, do that. Right? For Andy, it's honey, do it all the time. Because you know, listen. <laughs> no. Honey, do that. And we're on the couch. We're watching our TV program, our wonderful sports program, or the, 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 the program that we enjoy. And our wife comes in and says, Honey, can you take out the laundry? Honey, can you help me with the trash? And you're like this. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll get to it, right? Some of you have uh, the, the, the smiles of guilt on your face. <laughs> but And we don't do it. We have great intentions or, again, we get complacent and we get comfortable. And when our spouse asks us, as Jesus is asking us, we just don't do it. Now, you know me for years. You know me that when I get up here, I'm kind of like an open book. I just unveil, this is me. Well, God convicted me this week. You know why? Because I was planning this message. I was, I said, oh yeah, Nike, I'm just going to do it. I got to tell them that they have to do it and we need to step out and, you know, we got to get it done. And, and God convicted me. Because as I'm thinking about all these things, I'm going to encourage you. God showed me myself. Because I was writing my message. I took a break. I walked down through my garage. And when I turned, I saw this. That's my weed whacker, all gassed up on the treadmill. Do you know how long the weed whacker has been there and how long my grass is? And I went, oh my gosh, I, I, I need to take care of this. And I went a little further because just past the treadmill is my pool table. And I looked at the pool table and I saw this, a brand new water faucet. Now what does that mean? The water faucet in the kitchen is broken and needs to be fixed. But that's been sitting there for a while in the pool table. And the water faucet looks like this. <laughs> now, you all know me. I'm predominantly Chinese, Hawaiian, English, but a lot of Chinese. And that is called the Tiny Quick Fix Repair Kit. Now, if you can't figure it out, the fork is zip-tied to the hose because the spigot in that connection is broken. And if I don't zip-tie the fork to the pipe, it's going to come off and the hose is going to go into the pipe and down in the back of the sink and we won't have water. <laughs> yeah, funny, huh? <laughs> I love your laugh. <laughs> is your husband the same way? But I got convicted. And I'll tell you the last one. Uh, you guys came to my, my grandson's birthday party. So we, I, I got everything done two years ago. Got everything done. And I retiled our downstairs bathroom. Just like the tiles in the new restaurant. Beautiful tiles. And I was so proud of it because I did a pretty good tiling job. But the tiles only come up halfway to the wall. <laughs> and... As I was preparing this message, I went, John, this, not a hypocrite, just, I have an excuse. I'm a pastor, we're doing God's work, and we're busy at New Hope. You know, at New Hope, part-time is full-time, full-time is all the time. 
But no, I, I, I'm serious. We need to take care of things. And that is just an example of sometimes, and here it is, folks, we have the best intentions. We know what God's calling us to do. But life happens. The weed whackers and the broken faucets of life, the things that work, the things that we're involved with, we, we, we mean so well, but we walk out the door and these things happen and we take care of those things and at the end of the day, there's no more time. But God is saying, please make the time. Please make the time because it's important to our Lord. You know, sometimes it's those things like the weed whackers and the broken faucets that cause us to take our eyes off of God and put our eyes on the situations of life, on the things of life, and the people of life that take up our time. And when we talk about obedience and finding that time, it's about making sure we know who's telling us to do it. Because we can't, others can't do it for us, for us. We have to do it ourselves. It's like when when we die as couples, men and women, we go, to, we go to heaven. I believe that up in heaven, this is what will happen. We're there. We get to heaven. God says, I want all the men that were dominated by their wives to be in this line. And I want all the men that were leaders and dominant in their family and patriarchs to go in this line. And all the women go with St. Peter. So God turns around, he turns back, he goes, whoa! All the men are standing in the line that were dominated by their wives. And he looks, and there's only one lonely soul standing in the line who was a leader and, and led a family with good dominance. So God turns to all the men here and says, I, I'm perplexed, I'm ashamed. You were created in the image of God. You should have been patriarchs and led your family, but now... I look and you were all dominated by your wives. Look at that one man over there, that lonely soul. We need to learn from him. So God turns to him and says, How is it that you're the only one in this line that you were dominant and led your family and you were the patriarch? Tell all these men, what did you do? How did it happen? He said, I don't know. My wife just said, Stand there. <laughs> yeah. There's a point again to this. We can't wait till our wives say, do the work. Or we can't wait till people said, did you do your devotions? Did you spend time with God? Did you enact what God... We can't do it or we shouldn't be told, stand there. We have to do it on our own volition. We need to move forward. And yes, I'm preaching it today. In a way, because I know what God showed us about heaven, I am graciously, I hope, calling us out. The same way that Pastor Reese Whitehead called us out about hunger, I'm calling us out about obedience and putting God first. How many of you like blessings and favor and good things in your life? Yeah, you do. Who else? Others, you don't care. <laughs> right? You like blessings and favor. We all do. We get a promotion. We get a raise. Someone gives us a great gift. We fall in love. Our mother-in-law moves out. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Mom. Don't beat me up after the service. But do you know that the lack of obedience can be a blessing blocker? The lack of obedience can be a blessing blocker. Things can happen where... We don't know what's going on, why things at work are going bad, why things, our finances are failing. Our mother-in-law moved back in with, with fervor. The rainbows lose the game. But blessings are important, and the lack of obedience can be a blessing blocker. Do you know that Listen carefully. We don't do things because we want the blessings and favor of God. We do it because we love Him. 
and then the blessings and favor the word says should follow no life won't be perfect but it will follow <clears throat> and that's where I want us to fill in point number two obedience brings favor and blessings obedience brings favor and blessings let's read Deuteronomy 5.33 together okay ready go Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. That we will live, prosper, and prolong our days. That's what it's all about, folks. Now, a lot of you will ask, well then, people say that if we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and that we are obedient, shouldn't things be perfect? Shouldn't there be no problems? Shouldn't I live a life of blessings and everything be good? No. Why? Because, and here it is, we live in the world, but we are not of the world. Listen again. Although we live in the world, and because we are not of the world, we are blessed because we are children of the Most High God. So here's how I want to tell you. Yes, we want blessings and favor, and obedience should bring blessings and favor, but life will never be perfect because we are in the world, not of the world, but we can hang on to his promises that our church has adopted in Jeremiah 29 and 11, and I want you to read that with me, okay? Ready? Go. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, Plans to give you a hope and a future. But what do we need to do first? We need to do His will. Even if it's one step of obedience. Just one step in what God is speaking to your heart right now. But listen carefully. Even though we obey His commands, there will be times where our faith and our trust will be tested. Even in obedience. Times when... Things just don't work out. Times when in our marriage we're having some contention with our spouse. Times when our children aren't listening. Times when our finances don't add up and we don't know how we're going to make it to the next paycheck. And what often can be most devastating is times when our health is failing and our life is at stake. Those are the times when obedience can get hard. Some of you know, and we all, yeah, all of us know that Pastor Wayne just went through a bout with cancer, right? We know that he had prostate cancer. We know that he's uh, 100% fine now. What you may not know is that when he was diagnosed with the cancer, he went to the doctors at that point, and they diagnosed him, and they gave him options. They said, we believe that it looks, it looks like you have to have radiation or surgery. Surgery is more invasive and things can happen whenever you go under the scalpel or radiation can take more time and has more side effects. So what did Pastor Wayne do? Pastor Wayne went before the Lord, got on his knees and prayed, Lord, what do you want me to do? What would be your will for me? And he heard from the Lord. The Lord said, I want you to take the path of surgery. So he went back to his doctors and he said, I believe that the Lord is impressing on me to have surgery. And the doctor said, well, at this point, we think you should go the route of radiation. He said, no, but I need to be obedient, and I want to have the surgery. Guess what happened? The doctors fired him. When have you heard the doctors fired a patient? True story. Right, Scott? They said, um, that's okay. Uh, you can find someone else. Pastor Wayne changed doctors. He had the surgery, and he is 100% cured. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Up to that point, I had never heard of being fired by a doctor. <laughs> Let's read point number three together, and I want you to fill this in. Obedience is often a test of faith and trust. Obedience is often a test. We're going to be tested of faith and trust. Let's read Hebrews 11, 6 together, okay? Ready, go. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. 
For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Folks, sometimes your obedience, even though we love God with all of our heart, will cost you. It'll cost you relationships. It'll cost you income. It'll cost you jobs and sometimes more. But trust in this. If God is asking you to give up something in obedience, it's often because he has something better for you. And this morning, I want to share a testimony with you which is very profound. I'm going to invite Scott Hogel up. Scott Hogel is on our council, on our board. Some of you know that Scott Hogel is the senior vice president of sales for iHeartMedia, which is the largest media and radio station organization in the nation. He also has a best-selling book, Persuade, and he also is one of the founding members of the John Maxwell Organization. What you don't know that is in the past seven years, as recent as last July, Scott has had seven bouts with cancer recurring in seven years. And the fact that it was last summer that we went through a time together because we're very close friends and brothers, that we were in my office and men cry. We cried and prayed for two hours. But I want you to see what God has for you today about obedience and testing your faith in the time of trials. Let's welcome up Scott Hogel. Thank you, Pastor John. They always say that the fifth and the last is the best. Get ready, folks. <laughs> so, um, let me give you some context. Scott is like Pastor Wayne. He's on the council. He's someone that anywhere we go, we'll be talking about a subject, He'll pull a scripture out of the sky, exactly as it is, where it's from, and he'll proceed to teach on it. And so he has been a pillar of faith and just strength for many of us at the church, many of us, many of the council members. But last year, you found out that you had your seventh bout with cancer, and it was a doozy. Can you tell them about it? Yeah, so up to that point, um, when I would have it, there would be a clear treatment plan in the beginning and an end. It wasn't as life-threatening. But this this time, it would spread everywhere. And I would know without the intervention of God, I was going to probably be a goner. And, um, you know, you can't fool your kids. Mm -hmm. My youngest son uh, turned to my wife at one point and said, uh, Dad's going to die, isn't he? And um, I remember... Uh, trying to figure out, well, how do I go to him? What do I say to him? And I said to him, the only thing I could say, the very thing that God said to me. So when you're facing a crisis, my first stop was on my knees. And I didn't know what to say to my son. But God had said to me when I first went to him, I am healing you. And that's what I said to my son, Casey. And um, faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of God. And um, that encouraged him. And you can imagine me as well. You know, Scott, um I remember through that time, uh, you really didn't feel like getting out of the house. I remember that when you came here, again, the cancer before was you had it once in your neck. Another time you had it on the back of your back. But this time it was all the way through your body. And I remember that you couldn't even walk because it had uh, devastated your right leg. In fact, you were on that scooter that you had to get along and that it was constant pain. At that time, in that moment, and also hearing about your leg and the fact that it had dis disintegrated most of your bones in your leg, I mean, what was going on at that time and what were you thinking? Being the man of God that you are, but facing what you faced. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. You know, um, <clears throat> one of the very early instructions God had given me was to read the book of James. And in James 1.5, it talks about double-mindedness. And one of the things God had begun to teach me about is being single-minded, and my life would depend on it. When I say being single-minded, that means putting his word above everyone else's. There's four voices you have to distinguish in your life. There's your voice, your own self-talk. There's the voice of others, the voice of the enemy, and then the voice of God. And I knew what my voice sounded like. I knew how to distinguish the other three, but to be perfectly honest with you, it's really hard to turn your own voice off when your body's screaming at you. Mm -hmm. 
So God was beginning, if I wanted a miracle, I would have to get my eyes off of my problem and onto the promises of God. And that's, that's not easy for anyone, honestly. That's tough. Because I remember that, uh, what did they tell you about your leg and if you didn't get the rod? And so the doctor was telling him, you should put a rod in your leg because there's not much bone left. Can you share that? Sure. So um, this is where I had learned to uh, listen to your doctors, but trust God. Um, so I, there was an instance where um, the, uh, the x-ray had showed that all the bone was gone between my foot and my leg. It was a very thin outer rim of bone left and they were concerned the foot could break off at any time and they said you need to just get that fixed well i'm an executive so very pragmatically when they said if you get this fixed you'll be walking out of pain within a week i'm like well let's go but we had made a decision to take every decision back to god so my wife and i prayed about it and we felt like god said don't do it i thought well maybe i heard him wrong went back <laughs> are you sure <laughs> We felt he said, don't do it. So that would begin many months of hopping and crutches and scootering. But what I didn't know then that I know now is that God would schedule a miracle a few months later. Some of you know the story. I w would wake up one morning and all of a sudden, miraculously, God would do something in my body where I was able to walk again. And a month later, there was another x-ray and the bone still had not grown back. And what I learned is that I didn't know this at the time that that decision to obey, which was frankly very tough because I could have fixed it on my own, that part of the, the, the problem, is that God had scheduled a miracle in my future. And um, I, I, if it's okay, I'd like to just yeah, share. Please. I think a lot of us misunderstand the point of obedience. We think it's to avoid punishment. But we're under grace, the gospel of grace. Every one of your past, future, and present sins have been forgiven. Obedience isn't to avoid punishment because you're already accepted. It's very important you understand that, that he loves you and every, all of your sins are covered already because if you don't understand that, you'll misunderstand everything he's trying to say to you. And if he's telling you or nudging you or whispering to you to do something in your life, it's because he's either got something planned in your future he's preparing you for or something he's trying to protect you from. Yes, and... I want to reach out to all of you today in an encouraging fashion because uh, we're friends and I was telling them about the message and we had talked about, hey, you know, why don't you come up and help me with the third point. What we didn't know is that through what we just didn't plan but let the Holy Spirit move, what God would do in the hearts and minds of people here who are in a similar situation. Because if I have this correct, and I know I do, you went from cancer throughout your whole body, most of your bone being uh, deteriorated away, and in November of last year, you were miraculously... Now, we know Scott, so it's not like, okay, I... In November, God healed him, touched him, and you are 100% cured. Complete remission, Complete. yes. Complete. And walking. Again, walking. And that is an encouragement to many of you out there. That God is a God of miracles. As we are obedient, Pastor Wayne, he was obedient. Doctors fired him. Scott was obedient. He didn't go with the rod. But he continued. And it wasn't just, okay, I'm going to choose you, God. And it happened. It took time, didn't it? Well, it did. Uh, a lot of us, when we go to God with a problem, because... We're looking for a miracle. Anything that comes from heaven or earth is a miracle. And frankly, a lot of us think it's God goes, hey, abracadabra and it's fixed. <laughs> yeah. But the truth is you will always play a role in your miracle and yeah. being able to hear and then heed what it is God wants you to do and what part to play is very important. But I'll ask one thing because we all kind of walk together, all of us brothers. And it wasn't like, okay, God, I hear you and I'm going to do it and I'm all in. You were, there was tension each step of the way, right? No, there was, because some of the decisions were life and death. And frankly, some of the decisions of obedience, I'll be honest with you, there were times where I heard God and I knew what he wanted me to do, but my feelings started to get in the way because mm -hmm. it was going to go against certain things family members thought I should do or doctors thought I should do. 
So you, you kind of have to decide before the test comes to obey. And I think that's what gives you the strength to get through. So, yeah. Wow. What a testimony of obedience. We're going to do something different this morning. And it has been a profound thing that we've done in every service. I want everybody to close their eyes right now, please. Now, right now, you've heard the testimony of Scott. If you are here today and you are going through a situation, a medical situation or a health situation in your life, that today you not only want to pray about it, but you want to place it in the hands of God, who is a God of miracles. You've heard the testimony. Or if there is a loved one that you love dearly and that you know of, that in proxy, today you can pray for them corporately together with us. I want you now, in a step of obedience, what we're talking about, I want you to raise your hands right now. Raise your hands. Wow. Like every... Keep it up. It's the majority of the people here in service. Amazing. Keep your hands up. Because what we're going to do right now, we're going to pray corporately. And Scott's going to pray for you and intercede in prayer as someone who God has blessed with a miracle. So saints, keep those eyes closed and hearts and hands raised. And just before we come to the Lord, I just want to tell you there's a part you'll play in your miracle. Jesus told us what the requirements were, and it's that as you pray, believe and do not doubt in your heart, but believe you receive what you ask for when you pray and you shall have it. I would tell each of you today that never before have we seen there's, this is the number one prayer request of all Christians, and it's usually a health issue. Somebody they know or something in their body is speaking to them. And I just want to tell you that it's God's will that you be well. It's God's will that you be completely made whole. And that's why Jesus died. It's part of your inheritance that was given to you at the cross. You don't have to beg God. He's a good, good father who wants to give it to you. So I would just ask with every heart and hand raised for those of you up in the balcony as well and online, just come into complete agreement right now with what I'm about to say. And Lord, we just come to you in all things and give thanks, even the things that are tough. We give thanks in all things, Lord. And we thank you that you're a good God, that you plan our future, that you look out for us, that you have a solution and a specific strategy of how to bring healing to every hand that's raised and everyone that they're praying for, Lord. You have a specific plan to bring complete healing and restoration to them. And I thank you for that, Lord. And I speak to every cancer cell, to every mm, disease, yes. to every sickness right now. And I say, be gone in Jesus' name. Leave that body in Jesus' name. Every organ go back into its place and be cleansed. Every bone be healed. Arthritis be healed. Everything come together. Those tumors in the brain, be gone in Jesus' name. Mm. And everything that is ailing you, you have been seated with Christ in the heavenly realms and there is no sickness in heaven. So, Lord, we just... We reach through time and space into heaven right now. And that inner man, that inner man where Christ lives inside of us, that is made whole already, we just say from the inner man, come forth into the outer man. And may everybody be made whole in Jesus' name. Cover every person with the blood of Jesus, Lord. Yes. And in every place where sickness and disease has left, let there be complete healing and restoration. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for his hearing your prayer and our expectation. And thank you, Scott. Let's all stand. I have one more thing that I'd like to encourage you and remind you about. Remember, as I said earlier, when you walk out the door, life will happen. But please, I want to encourage you to take one step of obedience at a time. Whatever God may be speaking to your heart right now in that obedience and that step, whether it be your time in devotions, whether it be it's your time in prayer, whether there is something in a relationship that you need to mend, whether you need to extend forgiveness to someone or you need to receive forgiveness from someone that you have not been able to forgive, whether it's a risk in your business or in your job that you've been reticent to step out in faith, that God is speaking to the hearts right now. 
whether it is something that you know that has been on your heart that you need to do with your spouse or your children. God is speaking to you right now. And that is a reason that he's doing that because he wants to plant it in you so you will go out and take that step of obedience. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for just such an amazing service. Thank you, Lord, for allowing the Holy Spirit to move and to inspire us with knowing that we had a glimpse of heaven through your word as the dance was the dance was presented as Pastor Richard Wa'ala shared about the handkerchief that is folded because you are coming back. To know, Lord, that we need not be afraid of the second coming. We not need not be afraid of the rapture, but we should embrace it and therefore prepare in obedience. And obedience, we know, Lord, is not a task. It's not a duty. We get to do it because we love you. And so, Lord, may our words speak into our actions. And then, Lord, we thank you for the time here that your healing hand went throughout the congregation. We thank you for Scott's life and the miracle of his healing as an example to those who are here who need your touch, who need your hand to be healed and those of their loved ones. Lord, we present it all to you with all of our love and all of our thanksgiving and gratitude because you are a faithful God. We love you and we thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. And I believe everyone, as they said, amen. Let's give the Lord a thank you. listening if you like what you heard leave us a review and we'd love to hear what you think you can also watch us on youtube download our app or check out our website